the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast, can now be heard on the podbelly.com network. Visit them at www.podbelly.com. At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. It is now 52 years later. This is their story. Welcome back, Chris. Welcome back. How are you? Good. How are you? Listening to some jams from 1967. Good stuff. What do you think about that? I think I think we got some good music there. That's that was all. A I solid think. one. It was. That had to be a number one hit, right? It was a number one hit. Yeah. Absolutely. And then it was remade a hundred thousand times. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I, when we were growing up, it would have been Tiffany. Yeah. Yeah. Tiffany oh, sang I remember it. that? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I think I like this version. Is this the original? This is the original. This is Tommy James and the Shondells. You kind of sounded like a 1960s DJ right I did there. right there, right? Yeah, a little kinda bit. like Wolfman Jack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen to the Tommy James and the Shondells like that. <laughs> Good stuff. And I was the one that was on radio. <laughs> <laughs> it shows. Yeah. So, Chris, we're talking tonight a little bit about our two-part series here on May 10th, 1967. And this really becomes the the day of. This is the, all the episodes have been leading to this moment and we'll reflect back on this moment every time an episode is heard. So these next two episodes are the ones you're probably gonna have to listen to a couple times because it's gonna get a little bit confusing at times because there's a lot of information that's gonna hit you and we're gonna try to do it the best we can in the best way we know how. Um, and so, I mean, with that, I'll, I'll leave it to Chris to kind of kick us off here. Yeah. I keep, well, you know, as you mentioned, this is a lot of information. Um, we'll try to also make sure our Facebook page, uh, if you're not following or you like the Facebook page, make sure to check us out. Uh, Lost Boys and Hannibal. We'll try to add some stuff onto that Facebook page as well to kind of maybe break this down just a little bit to help you out along the way. Um, but yeah, this is, this is definitely the, the meat and potatoes of, of, of this, uh, this mystery that we have here with the Lost Boys of Hannibal. I do want to also point out that most of this information does come from a report from 1967 uh, from William Karras, who was the lead uh, re- investigator, I guess you would want to say, um, for the um, for the search for the three boys. Uh, some of this also comes from uh, a couple of the books that have been published since then uh, about uh, the Lost Boys. We have learned, though, over the last couple episodes to really stick to this paper. This is kind of our Bible right now. This is where William Karras was actually was there. He was in charge. He was a speleological lead on the entire investigation where he would, you know, lead some up, upwards of 150 different cavers. This has kind of become our Bible. There's a lot of discrepancies, as you'll see. There's a whole episode that we're doing just on the discrepancies between this report and books that were written. And so I think it is important. So this is kind of the following. Um, this is a following a step-by-step exactly what happened and it's the account of the boys' actions according to a report. So I think that when we look at this and when you listen to this, 
stay, stay, pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even researching this, I, I'm sitting here. I, I was sitting there like I was going along the process and the progress was going along. All right, the timeline works. And then all of a sudden, boom, something comes back. And you're like, oh, wait, though, that was from the day before. Wait a minute. Before, I got to go back. <laughs> so many rabbit holes. Yes. And so we'll, we're going to we're going to start off uh, real nice here. We're gonna just going to start at school. At school where all the decisions, as you heard in the last episode, are made for after school. And that's uh, no different from May 10th. As uh, Craig, uh, first report we get is Craig runs into a fellow classmate named Steve Cedarwell. And uh, Craig tells Steve to uh, save him a seat because there is a, a church youth group meeting happening tonight and Wednesday night. Craig, uh, Steve says, yeah, yeah, I'll save you a seat. Uh, so that was the kind of the start of, of the day. And uh, not only did Craig approach somebody, but Billy also approached uh, a young kid at uh, Stowell School uh, named Rob Yeager. And uh, Billy invited Rob to go to explore the caves with him after school, but but Rob said no, no, Dad's Dad's not going to let me do that. But you guys go have fun. Yeah, I'm out on that uh, report back to us. But at this same time, we should know there is a time limit here, right? Every everybody's trying to get to a church social. Yeah. So that's why the timeline's important to remember. And as we kind of building up the enthusiastic things that are happening in school and. You know, the minute you find something that's cool and new, you're going to share it with your buddies and your friends, and you want them to be a part of it. And so from school, we go to the bus ride. We do. And uh, Craig, Joey, and Billy weren't uh, the only ones on their way home trying to make their agenda for their after-school activities. Johnny James and friend Lynn Strube was also discussing on their ride home from school about uh, doing some exploring as well in the caves uh, that afternoon. Something to keep in mind, and we'll come back to that in a little bit later on. At 3.50 p.m., the bus stops, so now we're getting started in our timeline here. So this is our first our first point of contact. It's 3.50 p.m. when the bus stops at Fulton Street, and Joey and Billy and uh, neighborhood friend Ray Ward, who we talked about last episode, disembarked off the bus and run home. Now, of course, uh, if, if you don't remember, Billy, he is actually at Stoll School, which is right across the street from the uh, the Hoags and Dal family home. So he doesn't have to ride the bus. He's already he's already home. Right, and, and if he was ever late to school... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you really didn't have a you didn't have a ticket no, out of that one. No, you didn't because literally it was it was walk across the street and you were at school, which would probably be bad if you were like trying to fake that you were sick, right? You would think something to think about. Teacher could just throw a rock at your window. <laughs> so now we get the the boys home. So it's this is four o'clock p.m. Now Helen and Mike Hogue are getting ready to leave. They got to do some shopping. I believe you you caught that they were getting going to the meat market. They're going to a meat market. Yep, they're going to a meat market to get it. And you know, before leaving, his mom Helen yells at Billy and Joey to go and change their clothes. And once again, saying, "Don't go to any caves." But here here is the thing. They're in trouble because they got their good clothes dirty. She knows they're going to go out and explore. So she's giving that one final warning of, hey, don't go in those caves. So just to kind of put it in perspective. Right. And uh, as we mentioned, Ray Ward, by the way, he was the one that was uh, in with Billy and Craig and they were exploring. And uh, Ray gets home and his father's sitting outside on the porch and, and he hears Helen's comments from across the street. So he can actually collaborate with with what the report says that Helen and uh, Helen was telling Billy and Joey, don't go into the caves uh, during that day. Ray Ward does something different here though. Right. He doesn't go with the boys today. He doesn't. 
Yeah, he, he ends up staying home. Uh, and that's something else we need to dig into and we will talk about later is about why exactly that happened. Well, we knew the church meeting was happening. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that part of the reason or was there another reason why? I mean, his father, it wasn't as easy for Ray to evade his parents as it was. Mike and Helen were going to the meat market and they're with their siblings, which, you know, 16-year-old you know, Dee Dee's probably on the on the bed looking through magazines. I'm sure everybody else has their own uh, thing going on inside the house, and so the boys are gonna do an adventure. I think when you look at Ray Ward's house, his dad's on the porch. Like, son, you ain't going in those caves tonight, <laughs> right? Not not <laughs> happening today, boy. And it would be probably the the biggest decision that his dad would make. I mean, there could have been four lost boys. Absolutely. I mean, so, that's a great point uh, yeah. to keep in mind. So we get back to our timeline. It is now 4.05 p.m. Billy and Joey reemerge from the house uh, without their good clothes on and uh, head down to s- the stone retaining wall that is parallel to Riverside Street. And uh, the reason they head to that direction is because they're waiting on their good buddy, Craig. Craig Dow. So just to recap, all right? They're having fun at school. They're making certain plans. They're inviting certain friends to join them. Other friends on the bus ride home already have plans to go to the caves because they're probably going to see them out there at some point. Okay, so that 350 timeline really begins everything, and it stops on Fulton Street. They get off the bus. They go home. At 4 p.m., Helen and Mike, the parents of Billy and Joel, Joey, Hogue, go to the meat market. And then at 4.05... Billy and Joey reemerge from the house and head down to Stone Retaining Wall on River Street. And a few minutes later, Craig meets them around 4.10. Now, there is some reports, too, and there's some stories saying that Tim Hogue was told by Helen to keep an eye on the boys. There are some stories about out there. We don't have any confirmation that that was the case uh, to tell him to stay in the yard or whatever it might be. But we do want to throw it out there as as that is something to uh, keep in mind. As we go along. But yeah, let's get back to our timeline. So that once they meet up at uh, the Riverside Street, which is the retaining wall, they, for some unknown reason, do a circle around this old wooden garage. And we don't know why. It's strange, but it is reported. Yes, it's, it's reported. reported by the uh, Mr. Breedlove, who is the janitor, correct? Right. He is uh, upstairs in room 202 of the uh, Stoll School doing his his duties and doing his work and he sees him down there uh, doing this walking around the old garage and this was reported by the custodian at 4 11 p.m so about six minutes after they leave the house and there probably was interesting things inside that garage that maybe they could have taken on their exploratory journey maybe they were looking through the windows or something maybe there was a loose door that they could have maybe grabbed something in there from an abandoned garage you know and used yeah yeah so who knows Uh, maybe they were looking for a shovel Yep. <laughs> so uh, at this time, once they do their, their route around the uh, the garage, they start heading north and they cross Riverside Street and then they cross Highway 79, uh, which is the cutout area. Then they cross it to um, the west side of the hill of the new highway construction area. So you guys good with the directions? Yeah. <laughs> And so they're so they're sitting there, and this is the first time they go and check things out at this cutout location. So at four fourteen, a telephone lineman is perched up on a telephone pole doing some work on on some telephone cables, and he has an eagle eye view of what's going on. He sees the boys. At first, he sees three boys, and then within just a matter of moments, he looks back down. There's only two boys there. So. 
We'll get to why there's only two boys in just a moment. That's right. So at 4.16. So at 4.16, the lineman, he finishes his repairs, and he looks down. He sees the two boys. Now they're heading towards the Southern, South Side Christian Church, which is located about real real close, about 100 yards away from where they were at. But keep in mind, this is not the church with the social gathering tonight. That's another church outside of town. Very good point. Um, I do want to also point out real quick that we talked about the custodian and the lineman. Neither one of them recall them carrying anything. The boys were not carrying anything physical at this no time. No equipment, nothing, no flashlights, no shovels, right. nothing. The reason why the linesman only sees two of the boys is because at this point in time, Billy decides to go back home to go get a military style or military type entrenching shovel and also get his father's flashlight. Which were a gift from his mom, the trenching shovel. That's what we mentioned in the last episode. Yes. So that's why. So they split off. So now you got Craig and Joey heading down uh, Highway 79 or the, the cutouts. Um, and you got Billy that's real quick running back home. And then he's going to uh, work his way up to catching back up with uh, the other two. If you follow the timeline, I mean, they did leave the house within five minutes. So he probably did forget what he needed. Right. But once again, this was another chance to grab Billy and saying like, Hey, don't go in those caves, but that just doesn't happen. And also you, it also shows to you that the youngest had to go do the grunt work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So something else to keep in mind. Uh, So Billy's path, just for reference here, after returning home and grabbing the shovel, he went North on Fulton Avenue, West on Cypress street, then North on union street, and uh, finally got back to the uh, highway cutter, Highway 79. At this point in time, uh, Bill's path is confirmed by two people, and it's John Easel and Paul Maddox. The reason why Easel and Maddox uh, were able to confirm this was because they worked at the fire department, which is located at Union Street and also on Highway 79, so right at that intersection. Both of those uh, firemen were outside at the point in time, and they were... uh, kind of inspecting or watching the excavation of a new storm drain that was located next to the firehouse. So they were both there. They both look up. They both see Billy carrying a shovel and a flashlight. They also saw him stop and talk to some other neighborhood boys at the time. Easel and Maddox was able to confirm that time as 4.20 p.m. when they saw Billy going across and talking to those boys. And so those were also neighborhood boys were Mike and Alan and a boy with the last name of Mitchell, which would later be called black hair Mitchell or that boy Mitchell. <laughs> right. Um, we never get his first name. Never get his first name. <laughs> um, the boys asked Billy where he was going. He responded Murphy's cave. Billy asked if Craig and Joey had passed by yet. And he responded, no five minutes later at four twenty-five, Billy and Craig did pass by the area. Joey asked Mike if they had seen Billy. He responded that he just passed by and that he was heading toward Murphy's cave. Yes, and, and later on, both the firemen confirmed that uh, Mike and our boy named, named Mitchell story and said that uh, Bill passed, uh, Billy passed around 4.20 and Craig and Joey passed five minutes later at 4.25. So to wrap that up. Pretty much what happens is between... 3.50. Yeah, 3.50, you have the kids getting off the bus. Four o'clock, Mike and Helen, they go to go shopping. 4.05, they're out the door. And then at uh, 4.11, the custodian at the school sees them. At 4.14, the telephone lineman sees them. That's when they split up. Billy goes back to the house. Joey and Craig stay on the Highway 79 cut for a little bit, Mm -hmm. and then they leave, and then Billy has already left. And the reason is because what you'll find out in a minute here is Billy arrives at Murphy's Cave 
before Joey and Craig arrive there, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment. So that gets you at 4.14, then at 4.20 it's Billy, and then 4.25 is Craig and Joey, and that gets us caught back up again so we can keep everybody in line. So within 35 minutes, they were at Murphy's Cave entrance. So Chris, they are at the entrance of Murphy's Cave, and we've discussed Murphy's Cave before. It was named after Grocer that owned the grocery, and he found the cave, and that's Murphy's Cave. And this would be the scene for a little bit of a while for the timeline, for a little bit. Yeah, uh, there's there's quite a few uh, people that uh, saw them there. There was quite a few people that were at the cave already and saw saw the boys there. And we're we're only about twenty minutes into this this adventure, so we right. we're we're not even halfway halfway through the adventure yet. But it starts out with Billy uh, being the first one to arrive at Murphy's Cave, as we mentioned. He was a little bit quicker, so that we assume that Joey and Craig stood by the. Uh, the Highway 79 cut a little bit longer uh, as Billy was going and getting the shovel and the flashlight, as we mentioned earlier. But uh, when Billy does arrive, he is at Murphy's Cave and is greeted by Lynn Strobe and Johnny Janes. We mentioned them earlier on the bus. They were deciding, discussing what they were going to be doing. And Murphy's Cave was it. And Murphy's Cave was it. Uh, according to uh, Johnny and Lynn, they spent about 20 minutes in the cave. And when they were getting ready to exit, or they were exiting the cave. And at the time, uh, that's when Billy got there. And then uh, Craig and Joey arrived just a few minutes after that when Lynn and Johnny were outside the cave. Now, there is a report with Lynn and, and Johnny getting on their bikes. And as they were leaving they saw the boys go into Murphy's cave. Right. And that's, so they were in the cave. They were in the cave. Um, and yeah, and it is reported that they, so, so again, it, it's kind of all together, but that by the time that Craig and Joey got there for sure, we do know that pretty much they were on their bikes heading out. Yep. So, but, but when Billy was there, we, we assumed that they were just getting out of the cave or they were still in it when Billy got there. Okay. So then we move on as Craig and Joey and Billy are outside the cave entrance, which again, Murphy's cave, it's not just one entrance at this point in time with the cutout and with them working on the construction and making this new area, there's like three or four, maybe even five different entrances into Murphy's cave. Uh, they're just small holes. They, they measure anywhere from a foot or two wide to, to three, four, five feet wide. So there's some different entrances for them to go in, but it's a pretty wide area. If you want to break it down into like feet, I would say it was probably about a hundred, maybe 120 feet between one hole to the end of the other hole. And all these locations are are spotted on the map. That'll be in our gallery section and our website at lostboysofhannibal.com. And I do know there's a couple pretty neat pictures out there as well of the entrance of Murphy's cave that hopefully we can try getting on there as well. Uh, when that time it comes across, uh, but we do want to point out that at this point in time, when Joey and Craig and Billy are outside, Wes Leffert stops by and the, he was delivering papers. He was the local, local paper boy. And at this point in time, uh, Craig and, and Joey ask Wes, Hey, you want to come in? You want to, you want to go explore the cave with us? And, uh, he had papers. He's like, I got work. I got to go. So he couldn't go in there, but that was, uh, somebody that saw them right out the outside the exit of the cave. And once again, you know, a potential fourth lost boy. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're all making these, you don't realize, you know, how precious life is when you make a small decision like that could have been, you know, life altering. Absolutely. And also, by the way, Janes and Strobe that we talked about earlier, this is a point in time where they actually, when being interviewed, told the investigators that they both 
heard and were aware that um, that they were going into the caves, and that was Billy Joel and Craig. By the time we got, by the way, we got to put a time frame to that, and that's around four thirty. That's that's when John saw the group gathering from um, the Bramlett family. The big the Bramlett family is the most confusing. <laughs> I know. Let's, let's be honest. We had to start over this part of our podcast. This is the seventeenth edit of this section, <laughs> so everybody knows. Yeah, it's because it, it's very confusing. Because so, the whole family's in the cave. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, no, they're not. <laughs> start over. Here's a take eighteen. No, uh, no. So John is in the, is eleven. Bramlett. John Bramlett. Steve Bramlett six. Roberts Bramlett is nine, and Richard Bramlett is seven. John is. Not in the cave, but he is rather at home, and he is working on his bicycle. Now, the Bramlett home is right across the street from Murphy's Cave. So so you got Murphy's Cave. You got the section where they're cutting out the road for the Highway 79 area. Then on the other side of the road is their house. So John's out there. This is 430, so that's about the time that he saw Craig, uh, Joey, and Billy there. They were getting ready to go in, and they went in. And so Billy goes into the cave first, and then it's followed up by Joey and then Craig. The reason we know the order of this is because Steve Bramlett, Robert Bramlett, and Richard Bramlett are coming out of the cave at that point in time. Did we get it right that time? You got it right. <laughs> right. The cave the cave is giving birth to the Bramlets. Yes. Yes. As the Hogan Dows are going in. Beautifully said. And so the reason we know this is the the order is because of the Bramlets. We also know that the Bramlets had an extremely hard time trying to get out because this is a very tight area and you got two teenagers boys trying to go past each other and it's a very tight quarter so the bramlets say man it was really tough to to move out but they were able to get out so that puts you at the bramlets following that squeeze the squeeze by the big squeeze the, the big squeeze robert bramlet here heard joey say that he was going to take the passage to the right and that is followed up by billy and craig saying we're going left and so he kind of looks back, and this is Robert looking back, and says, sees that Joey decides, okay, I'm not doing this by myself. So he ends up going and following Billy and Craig. So we know that Billy, Craig, and Joey go to the left when they enter Murphy's Cave. Which is interesting, because if it would stop right there, and that's the last thing that Robert heard, you would think that maybe they got stuck in these caves looking for Billy, because he gets lost. Good point. There's an entire assumption there that maybe Billy gets lost and then they go after looking for Billy and then they get lost. So this is where all the spaghetti happens. <laughs> Absolutely. And at this instant, just to pinpoint, and we'll explain why this this timeline and, and this section right here is very important for having eyewitness testimony because of what happens when we get to where are they. And so that's why these, these timelines and this points are very important. The details, the devil's in the details. Absolutely. Bramlet boys are outside the cave now. The Craig, Joey, Billy inside the cave. At this point in time, a workman working on the highway sees the Bramlet boys at the entrance and yells at them to get away from there. Two of the Bramlet boys get real nervous and they run off. They run home. They're Probably like, the younger ones. I'm I, done. Bye. I, got, I got in trouble. So the third one, who is Steve... He goes and actually yells back at the workman and says, there's someone else in the cave. Basically, they, they hear the, what we said, the steel plate, right? This is yeah. the guardian. 
Yeah. You know, um, the century now is coming out. One of the workmen is yelling at the kids. And so what, what happens, Chris? Hogan, the Dows are still in the cave at this point, and the Brantlets have left. Steve is the one that yells back, hey, there's somebody still in there. And that we kind of questioned him. He wasn't ratting him out. He was probably concerned. Yeah, at that point in time, I don't know if, if the boys or if the boys knew what was happening. It could have been that there was some sort of construction getting ready to happen and they didn't want anything bad. The Steve didn't want anything bad to happen to the three boys that were in there. Of course. So we do hear something else, though, that's interesting in that point of time. Steve hears somebody, and, and we know it's either Craig, Joey, or Billy, that says as they're in the cave, they say, Get back in. He's coming. This part always freaks me out, Chris, because when I read it, I read it differently than you did. The minute you said it, too, it's like, he's coming. And I always wondered, was he coming from inside the cave? Was there somebody else in the cave? Or was it coming from the road? So it's kind of weird, because how could they see out? They had just entered the cave. I get that. But something mysterious happens here. Was there somebody following the kids? Was there somebody in that cave that saw them go in there? Because that's the part that really freaks me out about that line. Yeah, it's, it is it is something I haven't even really processed, to be honest with you, is that what if, you know, and we know that was, we saw Janes, we saw Strobe, we saw the Bramlett boys, all these people have been in there in the last half an hour. So we know there's a, quite a few people that are actually in the, have been in the cave. What is the chances of, of Craig, Joey, and Billy being the only three in the cave at that time. Just happening upon something that's maybe a little bit more sinister, a little bit more dark than the other boys had experienced. Yeah, it's quite possible. I mean, timing is everything. Yep. And our time is up. Ugh. And so for the next episode, you'll just have to stay tuned to see what happens or who is in that cave or outside of it. From all of us here at the Lost Boys of Hannibal Podcast, I'm Frankie Campoletta. I'm Chris Ketters. And we'll be seeing you 